1: Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible Podcast. Another week has come and gone, which means we're another week closer to the NFL draft and, of course, the 2019 season. I'm Eros Wildewitt, and I'm glad that you're joining us today as we'll be continuing and concluding our NFC North bracket breakdown with today's focus being on the defenses. Now, I'm joined by two of my co-hosts. Today, I have Brandon Hazlett and Will Ingalls. Guys, it's great to have you. I want to know, the NFL, of course, in the past week had made some adjustments to the past interference. Uh, the, both the call of and the no call of it is now reviewable. I want to know, do you love it? Do you hate it? Are you indifferent about it? And why? Brandon? Brandon?
3: <laughs> Uh, I hate it. I like to, to have a human element to sports. I think that's what makes it fun. You know, that's what, you know. You, we can sit here and have these debates about certain things, whether we're on the right side of it or not. I think that's really what part of makes it fun. And now since uh, there's a lot of concern about, you know, we just want to make things right. Uh, I, mean, I mean, yes and no, you want things to be right, but I like the human element of as well. And there's already too much replay, in my opinion. So uh, I'm not a fan of this one.
1: Mr. Ingalls, you're wearing a Viking shirt. I know it's not Minnesota. It's still throwing me off a little bit, but what are your thoughts about this uh, review change?
0: Right. Yes. Uh, I would never proclaim to such heresy on the Chicago audible podcast by wearing a Minnesota Vikings t-shirt, but I hate it as well. I don't think this is something that the game needs. Uh, Obviously, the NFC Championship game, I think this is a major overreaction to that. Uh, Yes, that was a missed call. It should be called 100% of the time. But here's the thing about officiating. You're supposed to officiate the game as it goes. Sometimes you're going to let both teams get away with a little bit more contact on the edge in the pass game. That's how you officiate the game. That's the officiating crew's choice. And now you're just bringing in this element where you're going to have another voice that is not the officiating crew coming in and making a whole lot of other decisions. I think it could create some discrepancies in the game, especially with the game flow within, you know, a single contest. So I hate this through and through. I don't think this was a necessary change, but uh, we're going to see how it goes, obviously, Um, because I honestly think the tightening up of rules has kind of uh, been bad throughout the years. Outside of obviously the helmet to helmet, that was a needed thing made around 2012, but obviously the additions to roughing the passer last year created a ton of controversy and change, and I think the same thing will happen this year with pass interference.
1: Yeah, I'm curious to see how this is going to shake out, if it's going to make games longer, uh, how it's going to interfere or you know impact games. I mean, obviously uh, throughout the playoffs there are a couple circumstances where this changes uh, the outcome, so who knows? A season can ride or die by this review rule by the time we get to the next postseason. Uh, Speaking of postseason, we have a while to get to. But uh, before we get there, uh, we did learn this week that the Bears are actually going to be taking on the Packers to kick off the 2019 NFL season on Thursday Night Football, which is a spot that is typically reserved for the defending Super Bowl champions. So I suppose that the Bears will be playing in the stage for two years in a row, right? 2019 and 2020? Am I getting ahead of myself? Probably a little bit. But seriously, <laughs> I want to know your guys' thoughts on this. Obviously, uh, we're all hoping for a little bit of a better outcome compared to the season opener a year ago under the lights in Green Bay. But I'm curious to your thoughts here, Brandon. Uh, are you excited about the Bears kicking off the 2019 NFL season?
3: I am. Uh, I'm not so sure about a about a Thursday night because that means uh... – an early Friday morning for work, uh, but that's totally fine because we get to watch the Bears kickoff season, which is absolutely great with one of the uh, more historic franchises, uh, two of them uh, going at it in one of the longest rivalry games throughout the history of the league. So I, I'm just excited that the Bears are going to be uh, first ones in the spotlight to be able to put it that way. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it a lot.
1: Absolutely. First one. Well, we're tied with another team that I don't want to mention, but we're going to talk about them throughout the majority of this <laughs> show anyway. Uh, but what about you, Will? Bears Packers Thursday night football kicking off the NFL's 100th season. Is it something to be excited for?
0: Absolutely. Uh, as someone who was able to go to the playoff game uh, last year, uh, it was an amazing atmosphere. I mean, there is this a long-running tradition of Soldier Field being a very difficult place to, to come as an opponent. And I really think that that return towards the end of last year. I think that L.A. Rams game on Sunday Night Football was kind of the turning the corner for that. And it's going to be great to kind of restore that atmosphere that Soldier Field had towards the end of last season, but kick it off week one next season with the very first game of the NFL season. Soldier Field is going to be rocking, awesome atmosphere. Can't wait to see it going to do everything I can to be there for it Um, because that's, that's just stuff that you don't get to see too often. And it's going to be a really great chance for Chicago to be showcased and that they're not, uh, they're not just a one hit wonder. that this is a franchise that's here to stay in the spotlight for a long time.
1: Absolutely. And the bonus here too, is that depending on NFL, because usually they don't like to slate many teams on, you know, multiple Thursday night games. Uh, Because the Bears had Thanksgiving last year, which gave them the second Thursday game. But that means we're going to get the Thursday night game out week one over with. And we don't have to worry about having short weeks on rest because it'll be week, like I said, week one, of course, to kick off the year. Uh, If Matt Nagy and last year's any indication, the starters should have plenty of rest by the time that rolls around. So that's an added benefit on top of the obvious reasons to be very excited um, about this. And, of course, I think it's going to show that we've came full circle, how much we've grown compared to even – Uh, this point a year ago or technically week one last year when we had that great first half fell apart they used that as a springboard moving forward and you better believe that Matt Nagy is going to be telling his team that winning against Green Bay even though it maybe won't achieve all their hopes it's going to show and prove that the team has come full all around you know full circle so I'm very excited uh, for this game as well.
3: I just want to say real quick too before we move on is you know with it being the the hundredth year of the NFL and the bears franchise. Like typically these things have some sort of makeup with how the game's going to go. Cause you know, we spoiled Brett Favre night a few years ago uh, in the uh, opener last year against green Bay uh, under the lights. Cleo Mack had his kind of game. So I think that there's just a lot of uh, um, uh, nostalgia, I guess going to come full circle here and it's going to create a a classic game. That's what I was trying to come up with.
1: It's going to be an instant classic. You're saying? Yes. Nice. All right, so real quick, before we get into the meat and potatoes of today's show, I do want to thank everyone here on YouTube. I saw right before we went live that we did pass our 5,000 subscriber goal, which is something that we've been hoping to get to here uh, for a little while now, so... Um, I don't know what Nick's doing. He's kind of busy right now. He's going to be covering the Final Four next weekend. So let's let Nick kind of get his self-situated, get back into a full groove. And uh, before we have the draft, let's have our 5,000 subscriber party here on YouTube where you can ask us any question you want, et cetera. I'll think of other g- great things that we can do to uh, make that worth it, make it a fun time for everybody. So I just want to thank you all again. Uh, and also thanks for it. Dealing with us with that quick technical uh, issue to kind of start off this show uh, here. So I appreciate all of the support that you guys here here have on YouTube. But getting into uh, today's show, which again is going to be a breakdown and debate at how NF- every NFC North team stacks up at each position on defense. And I'm going to begin it like we always do with our post-game shows, and that's in the trenches and a hard look at the defensive line. And, Brandon, uh, I'm going here with you first, and it's going to take me a little bit of time here to kind of share our sc- screen and get things going here on here on Hangouts instead of the other app that we're using. But the first matchup here is Bears versus the Vikings here for the defensive line. So if you had to choose between one or the other, who has the edge?
3: Well, you picked a, a tough matchup to get things started because this is the two best uh, defensive lines, uh, in my opinion, in the in the North.
1: Real quick, uh, I want to con- let you know that these were randomly generated. I didn't choose I know. it. Um, but it was. I saw it, too, and I was like, woof. So good luck.
3: Yeah, pretty tough. Um, so, I mean, we'll, we'll start with Minnesota. When you look at guys like uh, Everson Griffin and uh, Daniel Hunter and Stephen Weatherly, just another guy to throw out there as well. Uh, that's not even including the defensive tackles, Linval Joseph. Uh, you know these guys are are tough. This has been one of the better core defensive lines uh, in the NFC North, really for the in, uh, for the NFL in the last couple, to th- you know couple of three years. This group just been really really solid as far as getting sacks, stopping the run. You know that that's what made that Minnesota defense so good uh, prior to last year. Last year they, they slipped a little bit, but but overall still a, a very good defense. And then you also look at the Bears too, with you know Akeem Hicks uh you know guys that are we we know are very tough very good players they're just so deep you know the rookie blau Nichols was able to show some things as well last year uh, and really what they do with Eddie Goldman as well just being able to uh create the gaps for the linebackers coming to make plays on the running game and they're also able to get uh, after the quarterback as well so i think that really just the Overall makeup, I have to give this one to the Bears. Despite the Vikings being so good, I think they're going to start to slip a little bit. Uh, So when we project things kind of forward a little bit more with an aggressive coach like Chuck Pagano, I think that the Bears have the slight edge in this one.
1: All right. So we have one vote here for the Bears uh, against the Vikings for the defensive line. I'm going to hand it over to uh, self proclaimed Underling Will uh, for his vote.
0: Uh, I agree with Brandon. This one's really tough to call uh, because you have really explosive pieces on both sides. Uh, due to the Vikings being a little bit of a different makeup on the defensive line, Daniil Hunter technically factors in as kind of their edge guy. So I don't want to count him in here um, exactly. Uh, so because of that, I mean, Linval Joseph, I think, is kind of an, uh, a little bit uh, lesser version of Eddie Goldman. He's a guy that eats space and he's a guy that often creates the negative space in the backfield. Uh, For opposing offenses, that's something that cannot be undersold. Uh, But overall, I do have to agree with B. I'm going to give the edge to the Bears here. I just think they're capable of creating more explosive plays in the backfield from the defensive line themselves, not getting help from their edge uh, defenders as well. So got to give it to the Bears, but this one's really close.
1: I think... It would have been closer if they didn't lose a Sheldon Richardson and even um, a Tom Johnson because those two combined, uh, that defensive line, they lost nine sacks and over 50 tackles. And like you mentioned, even a Linval Joseph, he's a very strong nose tackle, one of the better nose tackles in the league. But he's more of a space eater. Uh, but he does a little bit more than that. He did have 58 combined tackles last year and four for a loss, so he can make his impact felt in other ways. But you yeah, had the Bears. Uh, they have the edge here, and I believe it all comes down to depth, right? Because e- Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, as you know, is a great one-two punch because Hicks, he's one of the better two-way defenders. Uh, of, and the, I call him one, a two-way defender, which is more of a basketball term, but um, he's great at getting after the quarterback, and he's great against the run. And Eddie Goldman as well. I mean, he's quietly one of the best run stuffers and gap fillers in the entire NFL. I would take Goldman and Hicks over Joseph and Steven, But then again, it goes to depth below Nichols, Roy Robertson, Harris, John Bullard, compared to some questionable depth that the Vikings had. So for me, uh, even though I would give the Bears this one straight up, uh, adding and giving them a little bit more power, too, is the depth uh, that they have on this roster. Uh, Which brings us to the remaining two. Well, not remaining. We have to figure out who wins this one. But the other two, uh, the Lions and the Packers. And I want to go over to Will first.
0: Yeah, this one this one's interesting, uh, especially if you look at the PFF grades. Uh, you got Harrison and then Aishon Robinson for the Detroit Lions, factoring it at a ninety two point one grade and eighty nine point nine grade, which is interesting. I, I think those guys are the generally the PFF babies that are really good at fulfilling their quote unquote job without making a lot of big plays. Whereas the Packers players, I think, are much better at making plays. Um, At times, they might be over aggressive and get pushed out of their gaps at times, but I think they know how to make plays. Kenny Clark, I think, is one of the best nose tackles in the NFL by far. If he wasn't, I I think him and Goldman are at least equal, if not maybe Kenny Clark getting a little bit of an edge. I think he's an incredible player. Uh, Dean Lowry, I think, is a little bit underrated personally. I think he has the ability to make some good splash plays. And then Mike Daniels, obviously, is a good player as well. I'm curious to uh, see whether or not the Packers try to bring back Muhammad Wilkerson currently not under contract to my knowledge, mm-hmm. um, because I think he's a dynamic piece that can be really good on a defensive line. If they kept him, it'd be really easy to hand this to them outright. I'm still going to give it to him because I like the ability for his defensive line to make plays by themselves. Whereas for me, I think the Lions defensive line makes plays available to other players i think they do really good at serving up plays for the linebackers edge defenders corners safeties for them to clean up plays they do really good having filling their assignments but not exactly making the plays themselves in my opinion at this point so i will give
1: this one to the packers all right one vote for green bay really good points that you made there will I'll hand it over to brandon who do you have
3: uh, I'm going to side with Mr. Ingles on this one as well, uh, because the Lions defensive line, they're not the, the playmakers. He said it very well. They do a very good job of setting up other people to make the play. And when you look at, you know, uh, Kenny Clark and uh, Mike Daniels, I think those are two of the the better defensive linemen, you know, in the NFC North uh, as well, just as far as talent wise. And just how big they are and how how easily they can push people around is something to be, uh, you know, set them, you know, by itself. Those are two great interior linemen you want to have against the run. Uh, So that, that really plays a big role into why I give them uh, the edge over the Lions in this one, but the Lions as well, like they brought in Trey Flowers, which, you know, should be more of a discussion on the edge. I kind of jumped the gun with Hunter in the last matchup as well. But uh, overall, I think that there's just better, better talent uh, on the green Bay side of this over the Detroit side
1: absolutely i mean i agree Uh, it's closer than i thought it was when i first started the exercise because at first i thought it would be just green bay because you know the kenny clark i mean we've seen kenny clark ruin a few of our games uh so you know we know firsthand just how well he can impact a game well on well for our situation um but yeah the robinson and harrison even though they don't make a lot of splash
2: play finally a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds
1: Something that I did notice that we should give them credit for, though, are being incredible run stuffers. They do not let up anything easy between the tackles, which can derail game plan, can make a team one-dimensional, which does have its own impact. But in terms of actual impact plays, pressures, quarterback hits, sacks, forced fumbles, they don't really have that. So they're very solid in their run protection. Adequate in getting after the passer, but not so well at making some of those impact plays that can you know make or break a game. So obviously, uh, this one is going to Green Bay as well, which brings us up to the championship round. Bears defensive line versus Green Bay's defensive line. And Brandon, I know that you're doing some multitasking here because Purdue's on playing here in the <laughs> uh, Sweet 16. So I appreciate you uh, being able to have two brains going on at one time. But Bears and Packers on the defensive line, who do you think has the edge?
3: I gave it to the Bears on this one. Uh, like there's just more talent uh there. Uh I mean with, with Minnesota, it's really close, but Minnesota even then has a better defensive line than Green Bay does. Uh and I think that you know that all starts in front of the key mix, the, the motor guy, the energy guy, the loudmouth guy. And then you got the role players, Jonathan Bullard, uh Blau Nichols, Roy Robertson Harris that fill in real nicely, and then the space eater, Eddie Goldman. Obviously, we know what he can do compared to what Green Bay has with mostly just Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels. Uh, there's not a whole lot else on that defensive line that really stands out as far as playmaking ability goes. Whereas we know what the Bears, we can even get our role guys to step up every now and again and go make a play. So I think that it really comes down to uh, really just the amount of, of solid players. The Bears all around are real solid at this position. If Kenny Clark or Mike Daniels go down, uh, that whole defensive line for the Packers really kind of struggles.
1: See, this is where depth uh, is key and depth come, uh, gets really handy here uh, for every team. But, Will, how about you? Do you have a differing opinion or are you going with Chicago?
0: Yeah, depth wins the day in this one. Uh, if you want to call Goldman and Clark a wash, even if you want to give Clark a little bit of an edge, I think Hicks kind of takes uh, Mike Daniels a little bit to the cleaners, and that's Mike Daniels is a very good player. That's not a knock against Mike Daniels. That is just Akeem Hicks being one of the best defensive ends, 3-4 defensive ends in the NFL bar none. And then you got, we didn't even mention Roy Robertson Harris in that first round matchup against the Vikings. We didn't even mention Jonathan Bullard in that first round matchup. Those are just depth guys that can come in and play really well and relief if needed. And that's something that uh, as Brandon mentioned, the Packers just don't have at this point. So I got to give this one to the bears.
1: Yep, and then, again, Bilal Nichols, too, someone who he, he was really good last year as a rookie, and we expect him to take yet another step forward. Uh, Will, I actually do have a question for you real quick, uh, because the Bears and the Vikings were the first matchup, and obviously how the seed goes can definitely change how this kind of factors out, but would you give the Vikings the edge over the Packers?
0: I would, I would, and it, it kind of goes back to that. Uh, the reason I put the Packers over the Lions is because I think the Lions have, sorry, the, the Vikings have more guys that can make their own play at the end of the day. And that's why I got to give it to them. I think Linval Joseph probably is a little bit lower than Kenny Clark, but I do like the ability for the rest of their guys to make plays over the Packers.
1: Awesome. I just had to check because obviously Brandon kind of hit on it earlier that that was probably the hardest one between the two with the Bears and the Vikings. It felt like a championship in the first round. Just wanted to make sure you thought the same exact thing. Uh, So let's take a quick timeout. Brandon, you can go ahead and focus on that game for a minute. Uh, So up next, we are going to analyze each team's edge rushing units. Uh, Two teams remain relatively the same, and two other teams have made some major changes on this front. Uh, Like I said, we're going to get to that in just one minute. But first, I need to tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. This show is sponsored by SeatGeek, the ticket industry hasn't changed in a very long time. There are a bunch of big companies who have been around forever, but they don't really care about making the experience easier for the customer. But what all of us here at the Chicago Audible has really enjoyed about SeatGeek over the years is just how easy it is to use their app and how they tailor the experience based off of our interests. Plus, they make sure that you do not miss out on any event that you may want to attend. Uh, like earlier this week, I actually get a push notification about an upcoming concert to one of my favorite bands, the Head & Heart. I had no clue that they were coming up on a new tour. Uh, they gave me a nifty push notification. I was able to kind of star that, so I'll be able to watch tickets as they kind of roll through here. The concert's not until September. Uh, it's actually September 6th, which is going to be the day after the Bears game. Maybe I'll go. We'll, we'll see. It depends how much sleep I think I can get the night prior. But we'll just to let you know, those push notifications are really a, a Super beneficial kind of portion of that app. And SeatGeek is a ticket company where the customers come first. With more than 50,000 five star reviews in the App Store, SeatGeek is focused on making your experience as easy as possible. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets from all over the web, rates each deal on a scale of 1 to 10, and displays them on an interactive seat map. So it's simple to find what you're looking for. Green dots are the good deals, and the red dots, well, those are the tickets that are just a little bit overpriced. And the best part of all is that our listeners get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek supports our show, so go support them because they support us. Use our promo code BEARS for $10 off your first purchase. And you can use that for concerts, tickets, uh, sports tickets, comedy, whatever you want. Remember, that's promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All righty, you're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast. I'm your host, and I'm accompanied by my co-host, Brandon Hazelet and Will Ingles, and we're rolling through our NFC North bracket breakdown, and it's time to turn our attention to the edge rushers. And as I go here and share my screen, for those here who are watching live to show you the bracket, uh, first up we have the Packers versus Lions, and then yet again, Bears versus Vikings. When you have four teams, I guess you don't have too many combinations to go through here. Uh, but over to Brandon first Packers versus Lions from a pass uh, an edge rusher standpoint who do you have over the other
3: I really like Preston Smith I was gonna say I like the Packers signed him but I really didn't he was one of the guys I had highlighted for the Bears to, to sign but then I seen his contract and you know that's a little much for a guy that you know basically is going to be uh being signed off of potential but I really like him a lot he's a He's a guy that's got a, uh, you know, some some great push to him. He's had 16 career sacks uh, in his four years. He had eight his rookie year, zero the next, then eight, then zero. So he, he's bound to have a, a breakout year here. So I really think that he's a a very good uh, edge rusher for the Packers to bring in. Not necessarily from our standpoint, but I think he's a very solid player with a lot of potential. So I, I like that. Uh, but then when you look at what Detroit's done as far as an edge goes, and they haven't done you know, much of hardly anything uh, as far as the edge position goes. So you're still looking at Ricky Jean, uh, Francois and Romeo Oquara. So I, I have to give it based on uh, potential here. And I think that between Preston Smith and uh, Zadarius Smith, there's, you know, there could be some interesting pieces uh, with Green Bay there that I think I have to give them the edge over Detroit.
1: So Trey Flowers doesn't <laughs> scare you? I was gonna say, I'm like, Whoa, uh, boy. I,
3: I guess yeah. I was looking through the uh, sport track here, and I totally skipped over Trey Flowers, but it's still not enough uh, for me anyway to, to sway that opinion. Trey Flowers is a very good player. Don't get me wrong, uh, but then I think again, it kind of comes down to a depth thing. Uh, we know what Trey Flowers can do. He's never been a guy that's you know had the double digit sacks, as far as I'm aware. Uh, so He's I I disc- think
1: I know he has 19 in the last two years. So one of those has to be double. Digits. One of
3: those has to be yeah. Well, then you can ignore my. Point that I made there, but it's still not enough <laughs> to sway my opinion. I think that the Preston Smith, I really like that kid a lot. He really sways my opinion in this one.
1: i ha- It's just like last week, poking holes in your theories.
3: Yep, I know it.
1: <laughs> is that two brain? What's the score?
3: Uh, it looked like twenty three fifteen, but TV is really far away. Carson Edwards is at the line shooting free throws, so that's a good sign.
1: Good guys are bad anyway, guys? back to the show. <laughs> okay, let's get back to the actual task at hand here. <laughs> oh, well, I'm curious again, both teams, Packers and Lions have spent a ton of money at this position. Who spent the money more wisely? The one big splash in uh, Trey Flowers or the Smith and Smith connection over in Green Bay?
0: um because I don't think Bears fans have gotten much of a chance to uh get into who exactly they signed I did a little bit of a film breakdown for both of them and at the end of the day I'm going to give a little bit of a B spoiler alert. I'm going to give this one to the Packers based on two guys being able to really make plays Preston Smith is the guy that I liked of the two between the two Smiths the Darius Smith I'll get to him in a little bit but Preston Smith is your kind of stereotypical what you want out of a prototypical three four edge defender he is very athletic. He's able to run with a few guys in coverage as well as being big enough and strong enough to get after the passer. What I really love about this guy is a steel cable lockout arms, his ability to be able to get his hand into a tackle and extend. That's not very common in an as defender, especially when you're talking about being down at least 75 pounds to a lot of these offensive tackles in the NFL. He's able to create that space and then rip away and create that separation Very good for an edge defender to be able to do. Really appreciated watching that out of his film. Zadarius Smith is a bit of an interesting one because a lot of his damage came from rushing on the inside, on the interior. So whether that was doing a stunt or whether he was standing up, it seemed like a lot of the times that his big plays had to be made from a stunt or a design blitz, which isn't always a bad thing. He has a very quick first step, first couple steps, in fact. He's able to really kind of get offensive linemen off balance and then make his move. Additionally, he's a good hand fighter. If he can keep the offensive lineman from creating contact with him, uh, then he's, he's golden. The problem is that offensive linemen are kind of adept at getting their hands on you. That's why they're getting paid millions of dollars. But when he is able to get his hand to their hand first, it's generally a very good thing for the Packers. Now, Trey Flowers is obviously a very good edge defender, edge rusher that the Lions sign. I think he's going to create a lot of good things for him. He's going to free things up for a lot of their other players. But at the end of the day, I don't think their other players are going to be able to capitalize on a lot of those opportunities. Whereas I think that the Packers have two guys who can cash in on those opportunities number 1 and it's also going to make it easier for their guys on the defensive line though I know they don't factor into this I think guys like Kenny Clark Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry and Mike Daniels will all cash in from these guys being viable pass rush threats therefore I'm going to have to give this one to the Packers
1: I have Green Bay as well uh I mean you guys hit on a lot of good points the one thing I want to mention and we're going to go through this for both the Bears and the Vikings but the edge rushing Units for all four teams now are very formidable and ones that it proves why, you know, NFL tackles are you get paid a decent amount of money. I'm glad that the Bears felt comfortable enough with the Bobby Massey and uh, Charles Leno Jr. to keep that consistency. Uh, Harry he stands well coaching up that unit because they're going to have their hands full in each and every one of the divisional games. Because you look at Trey Flowers, in the last two years, he's 150 total quarterback pressures and 19 sacks. And then the other rushers on that team, uh, Devin Kennard and Romeo Aquara, uh, last year, those two combined for 15 sacks and 70 pressures, which isn't bad for a combined two players. So those three, that trio is a very solid unit. He talked about Smith and Smith. Uh, one thing I want to mention is both of them are actually pretty formidable in coverage as well. They don't need to always uh, go and attack quarterbacks. Uh, Preston Smith is a little bit better in coverage than Zedarius. Um And then on top of that, the third edge rusher now in the rotation for Green Bay is going to be a Kyler Frackle. Uh, last year, he had 11 sacks, and he's now their third best pass rusher on the team. So I think that's very impressive to have as a unit, and that's why I'm still giving it to the Packers. But isn't that worrisome? That the, And it proves where uh, the Bears may have a hole right now. Uh, but for their third edge rusher to have 11 sacks last year, that's alarming.
0: Uh, Those that, that, that number's a little deceiving if you go back and watch the film. Yes, it is. Uh, he's a great hustle player. He's a great hustle player, but – It's not like he's destroying guys like Khalil Mack to get those sacks. He's kind of cashing in on some good situations and quarterbacks holding the ball a little too long. But that's not to take anything away from him, but it's not like he is one of those elite edge defenders who's going to be getting 10 sacks a year. I think this is going to be an anomaly in his career.
1: So what do you say next year, four to five?
0: probably around that range if I had to guess, but now you're talking about play t- playing time being cut down significantly as well because with all the injuries in Green Bay last year, he was getting a lot more playing time too. So, And plus he had a guy like Clay Matthews who's getting rotated out a whole lot. I don't, especially with the money they spent on the two Smiths this year, I think they're going to get the vast majority of pass rushing snaps. So yes, I think he'll probably get cut down to four to five, but even that's hard to gauge because you don't know how much he's going to be on the field.
1: Good stuff. Appreciate the insight. All right, Bears-Vikings, another doozy of a matchup. Leonard Floyd, Khalil Mack versus Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin. Will, I'm going to go right back to you, and good luck.
0: Uh, Well, you know what? It's it's not because I'm wearing a Vikings shirt, but I have to take the Vikings in this one. Is Khalil Mack better than Daniil Hunter? I think so. I, I think it's hard to debate that Khalil Mack might be the best pass rusher in the NFL but Danielle Hunter is a phenomenal pass rusher. If he is losing, it's not by a whole lot in that case. My thing is that the reliability of Danielle Hunter and Everson Griffin to get after the pass on a regular basis, I think is better than the combination that Mac and Floyd make up. And the other problem is that the bears have no depth right now. And, mm-hmm. Along with having no depth, you don't really have a reliable pass rush from Floyd. I think the difference with Leonard Floyd is that he's not a pass rusher. He's an edge defender. I think there is a bit of a difference that people kind of mistake just because he's in that – edge rusher position I think he's very good at defending the run from the outside I think he's very good in a limited pass uh, pass defense role in that responsibility but I don't think he's exactly the guy that is the best at pinning his ears back and getting after the passer I think it's something he's good at but it's not something like Khalil Mack where if he hadn't do it every play he'd be very successful on a regular basis I think Leonard Floyd's a guy that it's a tool in his bag but it's not something he's incredibly good at so at the end of the day just how reliable these two guys are and being able to get after the passer. Danielle Hunter also as a guy who can read and react for having his hand in the dirt. His reading reaction skills are absolutely amazing. There is a number of quick screens that if you even look at the Chicago Bears game at Soldier Field, Daniel Hunter wrecked that game for the Bears offense for the majority of that game. And even on quick screens that are going out to the perimeter, he's chasing those things out and he's recognizing them in two or three steps off the line of scrimmage. That's absolutely incredible. I'm going to have to give this one to the Vikes.
1: It's all about the shirt. <laughs> Brandon, how about you?
3: This one is such a coin flip for me. I was kind of hoping Will might be able to, to swing me a little bit one way or the other, uh, but I'm not quite sure that he did because when when I really look at this matchup, uh, I kind of look at Cleo Mack and uh, Hunter as, as somewhat of a wash. I mean, both these guys are just spectacular players. Uh, there's no doubt about that. I think Hunter did finish with a, a couple more sacks, but uh, when, then it really comes down to... Uh, an unreliable Leonard Floyd or an aging Everson Griffin on the edge. And if the bears would have kept or had a healthy Aaron Lynch and was able to resign to another year, then I'd give it to the bears with absolutely no problem. Uh, But I think will did sway me a little bit. And I think it's the shirt uh, that this one does have to go to the Vikings just because there's, there's no depth for the bears at this position right now. Uh, I mean, we could look at at Kylie Fitz and Isaiah Irving as far as that goes, but that that's not any better than what uh, the Vikings have as far as their addressers go, which is again, is you know, Hercules uh, and, you know, some of these other guys, uh, Tayshawn Boward, you know, these, these guys aren't out there making a a big name for themselves. So it really comes down to, do you want to have an aging Everson Griffin on your team or do you want to have a a somewhat unreliable, can't really stay healthy sometimes, plays majority of the season, but not the whole season every year. uh, in Leonard Floyd uh, who improved uh, this year a lot does a really good job of setting the edge. uh, But I think this one has to go to the Vikings.
1: Sadly, I was, I'm with you, and I thought I was going to be the lone wolf this whole time, so I'm <laughs> glad to see that we're keeping our bias out of at least this position here. Uh, you guys said on the points, the depth is honestly going to be the, the deal-breaker here because when you're looking at the Vikings, uh, Stephen Weatherly, he's a really strong third guy in their little rotation um, on the defensive end for them, and the Bears for outside linebacker, don't have anybody right now. It's Isaiah Irving and Kylie Fitz can't really count on either of those guys to be a reliable third rotational rusher. And I don't think until the Bears get that person, which – Honestly, that could come in the draft. That can come in the later parts of free agency if someone gets cut. You never know how it's all going to play out. You know they're going to address the position. Ryan Pace is not going to ignore it by any means. But as it stands today, if this is a roster that you're on the training camp with or the season, you're not going to get uh, Leonard Floyd or Khalil Mack to play to their top potential because you're going to be forced to play them way too many snaps. And so for me, that holds everything back, even though I would give – If I had a choice between Hunter and Mac, I'm choosing Mac each and every day to be on my football team, even though their stats are similar. uh, Mac did play in two less games, or three, if you count the Miami game when he played on the bum ankle. And on top of that, Mac makes uh, other game-changing plays, uh, like the 6-4's fumbles last year, where you're not seeing those same kind of numbers um, from a De'Neal Hunter. So even though Mac, honestly, the Cleo-Mac effect is real, it's something that we talk about all the time, it's just not enough right now to give the Bears the overall edge here at, well, the edge position. So for me, I'm going to go ahead and give this one uh, to the Vikings, which leads us to our championship round here, Green Bay or the Minnesota Vikings. And let's go to Brandon first. I'm curious of your thoughts.
3: Um, I'm really sold on the potential of Preston Smith. Uh, Like I said on that first matchup, just a a guy that really strikes me as a good player. Uh, But ultimately, I think that the combination of Hunter and Griffin is enough to outweigh potential on the other side of green Bay uh, with Darius Smith, Preston and uh frackle. So I I think this one goes to the Minnesota a little easier uh, than I was anticipating when I, when I first started this and was really kind of thinking about it and reading my notes over a little bit. But uh, I think that the overall talent, despite there not being quite as much depth for Minnesota, I think that the overall talent and longevity that these guys can play with, uh, you know, that these are not guys that get injured all too often. Green Bay on the other hand, You know, it can kind of go either way or whether or not. These guys get injured, uh, as we've seen in the past, with their injury history. So I think that this one goes to Minnesota.
1: Now, I do think Griffin only did play 10 games last year. I know that's not going to sway your argument. I'm not trying to sway your argument. Don't worry, B. I just want to let you know uh, that he is aging, and his durability is also becoming a concern um, as he's getting older. Uh, But I'm curious, your thoughts, Will. Are we going to go with Minnesota, the tried and true that we've been accustomed to over the past uh, three, four, five years now? Or are you buying what Green Bay just bought in free agency?
0: I'm gonna stick with Minnesota on this one. It's kind of like investing in the stock market with Green Bay. Uh, it could be worth a lot, could not be worth anything. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the investment that has really paid off for a lot of years now in Griffin and Hunter. Uh, this one's a little bit easier for me than I think it was even for B. Uh, I they've just done it for a long time now and until I see it really kind of fall apart for a couple of seasons in a row I'm going to think they're going to be able to keep producing whereas these guys uh you have a guy um like Patton in Green Bay who's got a lot of cards uh, a lot of tricks up his sleeve as far as fast wrestling is concerned but I overall just trust the product of the players more in Daniel Hunter and Everson Griffin then kind of uh kind of just a question mark right now on those guys. There's a lot of potential there, but I got to see it first before I pick these guys over Hunter and Griffin, like I said before.
1: Yeah. took the words right out of my mouth in terms of green Bay, in terms of it being kind of like, you know, the stock market because they put in $118 million combined between those two players. And even though on the surface, I mean that you expect a lot in return, but this is the NFL. You see it year in year out where guys get paid big money, maybe more than they're worth and they end up not really panning out in a new system, in a new defense, in a new environment. And on top of that, I think them as a unit, they're going to take some time to gel, where in Minnesota, they've been in the system, they know what to expect, and they should be able to be as consistent. I think last year, uh, Griffin had a slightly down year. Hunter as well in some regards. He wasn't as impactful as he was uh, the year prior in the 2017 season. And I expect them to maybe have an uptick this season to kind of bounce back a little bit. So yeah, for me as well, I'm going to go with the Vikings, even though I will admit, Green Bay is making it very interesting over there as well. If those two players and Smith and Smith pan out that could be very scary for the rest of the division as well i just again i'm not gonna not gonna trust it until i see it It's one of those that looks good on paper uh but let's see how it kind of pans out in uh the regular season all right guys it's time to move on over to linebacker and if you want to go ahead and take a look at the bracket for this one uh, we have the Lions and Bears, and then up next is going to be the Vikings versus the Packers. So I'm going to go over to Will first uh, for the pure linebackers. So, again, it's weird because every team plays a little bit of a different system. Uh, now we're looking for more of the inside linebackers here. Lions versus the Chicago Bears. I don't even think this one means, needs too much. Bears. To <laughs> <laughs> you tell me Christian Jones isn't as good as Roquan Smith or Danny Trevathan?
0: Uh, even when Christian Jones was in Chicago, I mean, I, I liked what he did as far as the leadership standpoint is concerned, but man, he's, he's a, he's a tackling machine. He gets a lot of stats, but he is tackling guys three or four yards past the line of scrimmage. He's given up a lot of yardage. He's not exactly, uh, he wastes a lot of steps, uh, and wastes a lot of time as well, which is money as far as the linebackers concerned. Uh, I just think that the bears win this one in a total wash. I was kind of afraid that we were going to have a bears Vikings matchup again, but, uh, <laughs> But no, this one this one's pretty easy for me. I think Trevathan and uh, Smith very, very strongly put down both Christian Jones and Davis for the for the Lions.
1: Exactly. I yeah, know this one doesn't need any debate. Again, Trevathan, we know who he is. He's a very savvy veteran on this defense, a very good inside backer. Roquan Smith showing why he was worth a first-round pick. He's heading in the right direction. He almost had... Brian Urlacher's rookie record for total tackles. And on top of that, Roquan's range and his ability to play in coverage are just going to continue to improve, which is very exciting Um, if you're a Bears fan. And you mentioned Christian Jones. He's average. No more. Maybe even a little bit less than average. Uh, Nothing special about him. More than really as a player. Um, He's a reliability in coverage. Um, Again, like Will said, got to give him credit for being a tackler. Uh, Maybe the, the position of those tackles and where they are in the field isn't great, but he does rack up the tackles each and every year. Which is not what Gerard Davis does in Detroit. He does not get the tackles. He's a, an atrocious tackler. <laughs> I actually looked up how many he missed last year because that's the only thing I know of the guy is that he just misses tackles. He missed 17. So he had more than one missed tackle per game for the entire season. And for a linebacker in the NFL, I don't think I need to explain just how bad that is, uh, to say the least. So Turnstiles. Got- Turnstiles out there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Jared Davis, the human turnstile in Detroit. Brandon, do you have anything you want to add, or do you want to move on to Vikings-Packers? Because I, obviously the Bears have already won this one, uh, but if you have anything further you like to add, uh, the floor is yours.
3: Uh, no, nothing further to add other than I'm surprised you actually went to me. <laughs> I didn't think that it needed any more explanation than what uh, you already gave. So,
1: Well, sounds good. I'm going to go right back to you, though, for the Vikings yeah. and the Packers, linebackers.
3: Yeah, so Minnesota brought back uh, Anthony Barr, which uh, you know is good for them. Uh, they also have. I don't know why I can't come up with his name or Lance Eric Kendricks. Yes, Eric Kendricks. I don't know why. Yes. Uh, that's, also, he's, that, that's all right. Um, trying to think of where I know that name, but anyway, uh, Eric Kendricks also a very solid linebacker as well. Both these guys are are young, uh, well into their prime anyway. Both twenty seven. Uh, Eric Wilson as well as is a, is a younger linebacker. So I I like what Minnesota has there, but but Green Bay also with Blake Martinez, uh, you know, he's also a very good linebacker, but I named three linebackers for Minnesota. I see one here for Green Bay. So just solely on depth purposes, uh, the linebacking group goes to, again, a very solid uh, Minnesota uh, Vikings group. Because the, the linebackers for Minnesota have been solid for a long time long time and it's because of those guys leading the team uh, with their leadership with the way they play they just set a very good example set a very good tone for the whole defense uh, I think that Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks by themselves win this one over Green
1: Bay I mean Green Bay doesn't have a lot as it is and speaking of Green Bay mm-hmm. Eric Kendricks he was a tight end for them hence the name wait I oh. said Eric dang it Lance he said Eric Lance, Too many Hendricks was in the division. <laughs> Eric's in Minnesota. He plays defense. Lance was in Green Bay. He may not be in the division anymore. All right. We're square on the most important matter that we've talked about in the show and since the season ended in January, uh, which means it's time for Will Ingalls to tell us who has the best linebacking core between the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings.
0: It's definitely going to be, for me, uh, the Minnesota Vikings. This one's pretty easy for me to call as well. Uh, middle linebackers is not a position that the Green Bay Packers have placed a ton of emphasis on for a long time, in fact. I mean, think back to the best middle linebacker the Packers have had in a long time. Is it was, it was A.J. Hawk? Brady Papinga, maybe? I, it's just not a position that they invest a ton into. They, these are guys that are supposed to make the plays that come to them, and they aren't supposed to do a whole lot else, which isn't a problem depending on how you want to run your defense. If you want to have your – uh big play guys be your safeties corners and kind of your edge rushers that's fine but it's not going to win you your game matchup in the chicago audible uh bracket challenge uh so i got to give this one to the minnesota vikings brandon hit a lot of points uh bar and kendrick's are very solid and bar brings a lot of explosive plays especially as a pass rusher Uh, that isn't something that a lot of linebackers bring as much as he does
1: absolutely bar he's rangy he can he commands the field. Same with Kendricks. He's always around the football. He may not be as flashy as Barr, um, but he's very sound. He's always by the ball and he can rack up tackles. He led the team uh, Minnesota with 108 last year. And then you have Blake Martinez. We know what he is. He's a very good linebacker as well, but he is about it. I know they ran a lot of dime last year with all their injuries. So that kind of uh, plays into this just a little bit, but I mean, he had 144 tackles, five sacks, 10 tackles for a loss. I mean, he's great. But he's by himself. And if you're looking at an entire unit here with depth, obviously you have to give this one to Minnesota. I had no choice because it was two votes for the Vikings anyway, but I just want to throw my two cents in as well. But looking at the championship round now, uh, Bears-Vikings yet again. Seems like every time this one is a very close matchup. Uh, Mr. Ingles, you're on deck, which I guess I mean you're up to bat because you're (laughs) going. Well,
0: here's my swing. I'm going to take the Bears in this one. Uh, This one isn't easy, but I think that both Trevathan and Roquan Smith can make a lot of impact plays. Uh, Trevathan is just obviously that commander of the defense. He's a very heady player. He understands uh, a lot of trends and uh, happenings that are going on in the game. It helps him get that extra step that we see a lot of times as games go on. I think that Trevathan becomes a better player. Roquan Smith, I think is just we just saw the beginning of him this year. And even in that playoff game, I don't think he makes that one interception at in that playoff game uh, like he would in the beginning of the year. We just saw right. that track of progress. And I think with a player with as many just athletic traits as he has, we're only going to see him get a ton better. And I just think that you're going to see those big plays manifest themselves along with the, the small plays that they make. They know how to come forward. They know how to make all those tackles. I just think that their big plays are going to put them above – Uh, what Barr can do by himself. I think Kendricks is a very good linebacker. I I think especially his ability to read and recognize his passing assignment, which is really difficult for a linebacker to do, especially to stay in phase with a lot of those running backs or even slot receivers coming across the field, uh, depending on the coverage. I think he does a great job staying with those guys, and I think he does a great job recognizing those guys. But he doesn't make those big plays that I think we're going to see Trevathan and Raquan Smith continue to make this year. So I got to give it to the Bears.
1: All right, one for the Bears. Uh, I'm actually going to call it official because I have the Bears as well, and I'm sure B does. And I'll give I'll go to you in a second, Brandon. I just want to get back to Will. Do you know why I picked the picked the Bears over the Vikings? And there's a lot of reasons, and you hit on them. Um, but there's one more, and it's your favorite player on the entire team.
0: Ah, you're going to give it to Kwiatkowski, aren't you? I <laughs> am. I am I because his depth. Yeah, I will give that to you. He, you can put him in, and you know he will run his spot of the defense that's the, co- I'm just going to cut myself off there. Continue. On.
1: <laughs> I mean, do you, would you rather have an Eric Wilson or someone named Ben Gideon or a reassured I No, I don't even know who they are. Don't know anything about them. Uh, maybe it's because I've been here in Chicago paying attention to our defense, but Nick Kulkowski has starting experience, multiple years of it, and I think that experience uh, obviously plays a huge factor here if you're looking at uh, the entire unit because if Trevathan goes down, which, by God, he had his first full season last year in Chicago being healthy. If you're sitting somewhere listening to this podcast, not going to wood for me. I have a glass desk, so I should not knock on that. It's not going to help if I did. Um, uh, But, no, the Bears have this one. Depth helps. And, you know, uh, Joel E.A. way as well, uh, even though we don't know what he can bring in terms of a true inside backer to this point in his career, uh, what he brings in special teams, which we're not even talking about special teams. But I just like the Bears' depth over, over the Vikings. Long story. Cut short, cut short the too long, didn't read version. Brandon, anything you want to add? Or, Will, did you want to step in?
0: Um, Brandon, finish your point, and then we have breaking news to discuss. Oh, boy.
1: <laughs> Dun, 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 dun.
3: Um. So, real quick, I was just going to bring up, too, I'm surprised Will Ingles didn't bring up Quikoski. Uh. Also, Will, I'm I'm proud that you uh, pronounced uh, Joel E.A. Booneyway's name You know, pretty close to right. Uh, for some reason, I've been able to slip that one right off the tongue with no problem. So, uh, yeah, I have to agree with both of you guys. It is going to be the Bears because Roquan's only going to go up from here as far as his potential goes. Dan Trevathan's always a guy that's around the ball. And Anthony Barr, like you guys touched on, Okay, I like Will's face there, so we might as well just go to the breaking news, because we already
0: know the Bears have this one.
1: The Bears just traded Jordan Howard to the Eagles? Yes, um, for a
0: six-round pick, that can become a fifth-round pick.
1: Wow. Okay, so breaking news. <laughs> Get off the bracket. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Chicago Audible. <laughs> I'm Russell Littlewit and we are here kicking off some breaking news. Jordan Howard has just been traded to the Eagles. You said sixth-round pick and a conditional what?
0: It can become a fifth-round pick in the 2020 draft. So, okay. so we can almost it,
1: get back what we put in for him.
0: It's twenty it's a twenty twenty draft pick. It's not this year.
1: Wow, that's a long wait for some gratification for this trade. <laughs> Boy, I tell you, you are quite right on that one, Mr. DeWitt. <laughs> well, uh Brandon, initial thoughts because I know uh you've been on the I think you've been on the let's keep Jordan train, right?
3: Yeah, I was on the let's keep Jordan train. Uh I mean I would have liked to see him ride out this last year. Uh, But I guess if you're going to get any sort of trade value out of him since we're only getting a fifth, maybe fifth and definitely a sixth out of him, uh, then I think that this was the right time to deal him if there was any time to ever do it. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, But yeah, not one that I'm necessarily a fan of. Definitely uh, took me by surprise, but we needed uh, we need some draft picks here, uh, especially with the cap situation coming up, not just next year, but the year after that. Uh, it's time to get young and keep uh, keep young guys turning through the system. And Jordan Howard wasn't necessarily a, a cornerstone piece, I guess. So uh, I guess this is one that I'm okay with, although I was hoping to get uh, more out of a guy that's had 2,000-yard uh, seasons and one that he was about 60 yards short.
1: Yeah, no, the return is a little underwhelming. I know we weren't going to get a ton out of him. Will, did you think we would have been able to find more?
0: Uh, I would have thought you could have gotten a pick this year. That's the, I, as I was reading, I'm just like, oh, like this year maybe, but uh, that's tough. You really needed that pick this season. And I don't know why. I don't know why you couldn't. Well,
3: you may, may trade that pick though, too, this year in the draft. I don't know that. But.
0: Okay. But what's a 2026 round pick going to do for someone? Uh, like that's that's the problem. Well, uh,
3: I, it'll give someone else an additional pick. <laughs> I,
0: yeah, but I mean, even if, and you're, I assume that this is going to get bumped up to a fifth round pick because I imagine that, especially with how the Eagles like to use their running backs, I think Howard's going to get a fair amount of carries. I imagine that they're going to find whatever, um, whatever caveat it is to get it to a fifth round pick. I think they could have, I think they'll get to that. But still, I mean, we were talking about a sparse draft this season, and I really think they needed that pick this season. I don't know why they couldn't get a sixth this year out of the Eagles. That really surprises me.
1: Yeah, again, this is some – like, patience is a virtue, but I want something now if I'm going to get rid of Jordan Howard.
0: Because, yeah, he makes a hole in the immediate future. I mean, you now it's kind of obvious that the Bears have to pick a running back because, I mean, that was your feature guy. I mean, I like Mike Davis, but he can't carry the ball 15 times in a game on a regular basis. You can't rely on him to do that. And even –
3: and even then, I mean – this may end up being the, the three headed monster that we all kind of wanted a few years ago. Uh, I mean, I think pre Jordan Howard days uh, with Matt Forte and Jeremy Langford and whoever the other running back oh, was God, at the time. Kadim Carey. Kadim Carey. Yeah. Happen. So that oh. may be end up what this is where they divide all because, I mean, Matt, Nagy said, happens. you know. Well, yeah, because, I mean, Nagy's even said, you know, this isn't an offense that a guy's going to get 20 or more attempts in a game. So I don't think you really, you know, a feature back's not quite as important, I guess, uh, in, this, in this offense. And we, we've seen it where Jordan Howard just, you know, he disappears for games uh, because he's just not being used. Or we wonder why he's not being used in certain situations. So I don't I don't think that a feature back's necessarily going to be uh, as important uh, this year. I guess we'll see how it goes forward, but I don't think it's a – one that we can't fix in the draft this year is we've seen uh, the Bears meet with some running backs already.
1: Uh, it's just that we have two holes now that we really need to feel, fill, even yeah. technically even three. Um, if you want to look at safety, uh, we haven't got there yet in the show. Spoiler alert, I need that soundbite, <laughs> Brandon. But no, honestly, because we we're talking about Edge Rusher just 15 minutes ago, and I'm sitting here in my head thinking, third round's a great time to get one of those because we really need it and now i'm torn because i feel like you also need to go running back if the right guy's there as well. ah yikes 2020 maybe a fifth round pick i mean obviously there weren't many teams you know breaking down the door to get jordan howard if this is all we can get you, know, you have to wonder cuz the trade talks has been going on for off and on for a year i mean they've been talking about it through the media Man, those offers must have been really, really crappy. Uh, what about you, Will? What's the bigger need now? Is it running back? Because I feel like it has to be, right?
2: Uh,
0: I don't know, man. That's, it's so tough because what you can do – I mean, at the very least with Nagy, you can at least do so many things at running back. Or you can do so many things with – dynamic athletes who can carry the ball in this offense. I mean, if you need anything, just look at what Green Bay did for so many years. I mean, you have Randall Cobb taking carries. You have Ty Montgomery taking carries. Running back is just not the position it used to be in the NFL. And, yes, do you want a feature guy that can take the ball so many times like uh, Le'Veon Bell or before, obviously, all the drama like uh, Kareem Hunt? You want those guys who are dynamic, but it's not not what it used to be in the NFL. You don't need that to be of – Prolific offense. How great was Green Bay for so many years without having a prolific runner? I mean, Eddie Lacy was good for a year or two, and then he went away. I mean, Ryan Grant was good for a year or two, and then he went away. I mean, they had Jackson for a couple of years, and then he went, like no one was exactly the great bell cow in that situation, and I don't think the Bears need that either. So, honestly, right now, I think I would honestly still have to say edge because you need three edge defenders on a team. You need three. I think the Bears can survive with the running back situation. Whether you're cycling in Cordell Patterson, Mike Davis, and Tariq Cohen, you can survive with that. You can bring – and, heck, if you want a short yardage guy, you still have Ryan Nall on the roster. I don't think he's great by any means. But if you're looking for a short yardage guy, that's all Ryan Nall is. Put him in. You don't have to pay that guy $2 million, which is another thing that you do get with Jordan Howard. You're saving $2 million, I guess.
3: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think that Ryan Pace might have something else up his sleeve here too because now he's freed up that cap space without bringing a, an additional player in. So maybe we do bring in another free agent.
1: I'm curious about free agency. I'm curious that, I mean, you're looking at next year, you're looking at uh, you know, people who need to be resigned. You're looking at Eddie Jackson, Tariq Cohen, uh, Trubisky in a couple of years, Cody White here next year. What do you do with Leonard Floyd? I mean, these are this is a young core, and we're going to have to find who's staying, who's going to go, and you need to find room to keep as many as possible if you want. I don't know if two million dollars is going to make or break a certain player in that regard, but it is. It could be for this year as well. So, you think, Will, that we can survive with Cohen, uh, Davis, and Patterson as a trio? Worst case, I think. Still- I think
0: you. I think you still might find a UDFA or a late round draft pick, not your third round. I think your third and fourth rounders are going to stick with other needs on the team, but I think, yeah, you can mostly survive with that. And obviously adding in some other guy in the backfield because at this point, you you talk about having a complete team like the Bears for the most part. Yes, there's a hole at running back. There's a hole at uh, edge defender and there's a hole at safety and a little bit of lack of depth at cornerback. But overall, I mean, if you want to have some guys come in, bring in six undrafted free agent running backs. What the (laughs) hell? Like, (laughs) what? What else? I mean, yeah, you're going to need a couple like linemen so you can do all your drills and so on with your 90-man roster and field a full like preseason team, but what what do you have to what do you have to lose? Just sign the guys and run them through. I mean, that that's why that's why running back is the way it is right now because you have so many guys hitting in late rounds. And honestly, like the hit rate doesn't exactly go up tremendously based on what round you pick the guy. I mean, Amir Abdullah is a perfect example for the Detroit Lions. You pick him in the second round, he doesn't really do anything. Mm-hmm. You have a guy that you pick later, undrafted free agent and Zach Zenner, and he's honestly had more staying power than Amir Abdullah did. So – At this point, just take your undrafted free agent or your late round draft pick and let those guys develop or perform how they need to. I think overall, yes, they can survive with what they have and bringing in a guy that honestly we don't even have to know at this point.
1: Okay, I mean you make a lot of point. I mean, sense there, uh, especially with like the numbers game, you know, bringing as many as possible with the best best man win seems like a you know a good strategy on the surface. I still ideally would like to have, uh, by the time the draft is over, a good understanding of how that backfield is going to look. Obviously, Tariq Cohen had a lot of touches last year. Uh, He was still, despite leading in all those touches later in the season when teams wanted to take him away out of game plans, they could. So we need to find that other person. And I know that you know we might not know who he is yet. I mean, we need to start looking at running backs a little bit harder than we were. I'm glad we still have a month until that draft. Um, But Brandon, I'm curious to some of your other thoughts on the Jordan Howard trade. Uh, now that it's uh, been sitting with us for about ten to twelve minutes.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm on board with Mr. Ingles on this one because uh i you still really need an edge guy uh in this one. It's it's that's one of the core positions you need in the NFL to win is an edge rusher. Uh so I think that uh want want. <laughs> anyway, um for those of you listening to the podcast, uh we'll just brought out his Jordan Howard jersey. Uh, so I, again, uh, edge is one of those key positions you need. Uh, and since the bears only really have two of them, uh, while well, well, other will just brought out his Jordan Howard Jersey. Anyway, back to what I'm originally saying, the, um, edge is one of the key positions that you need. Uh, the bears only have two of them. Uh, so that being said, they need to focus on that in the third and fourth rounds because this defensive draft, uh, it's heavy defense in this one. So I think that's still going to be something that they really focus on is filling in the, the depth of defense, and then they can focus on the offense later because there's playmakers out there. Uh, Matt Nagy can be creative with his offense. Uh, I don't think Jordan Howard uh, was the end-all, be-all uh, running back. I, I really wish they would have kept him because he's a solid guy. We know that he can pick up solid production between the tackles, very solid uh, runner in that aspect. Uh, and Maybe this is where the, the chance they see the uh, a chance to upgrade in the future. And you're trying to save some cap space somewhere. Ryan Pace has done some things in the past where we kind of go, what are you doing? And this might be one of those. I'm not totally sure yet. It hasn't, you know, that thought hasn't really hit me, uh, but everything's worked out just fine as it is. So I'm not too worried about it just yet. We'll kind of see how things play out here.
1: I just wanted to know, obviously, obviously, I can never buy a Jersey again. Cause I have the worst luck. Uh, <laughs> no, it doesn't matter what sport. doesn't matter what team. It's just crazy. Get a Jordan. Howard. You want to
0: bring it on? I got some pretty good stories. Will. I got some pretty good stories about how bad my Jersey luck is. Uh, I, it's almost official that every Jersey I get within two years, the player I buy the Jersey for leaves the team. Um, Brandon Marshall, two years, Julius Peppers, two years, Jordan Howard now two years, The um, Patrick Willis, I got his jersey. He retired within two years of (laughs) getting that one. The worst one, though. the worst one. And this is what started the trend is uh, my parents would usually go on a trip and uh, I would have to stay with like someone else for like a week or so. And the deal I would cut with them is like, okay, you could travel wherever the heck you want, but you got to you got to bring me back a jersey. So they went to New Orleans and I had to make the really hard decision at the time of whether I wanted a Drew Brees jersey. Obviously, I didn't get that one or Reggie Bush. (laughs) <laughs> within <laughs> the week in the week he was traded to miami
1: oh yeah okay so wills should never buy jerseys
0: um no i'm gonna go buy a gosh darn aaron Rodgers jersey that's what i need to do
1: <laughs> please please uh that sounds like a great plan uh something that we should have done years ago yeah any jordan howard memories that are gonna stick to your head as we kind of go through this uh, I'm going to call it a brief morning period. I don't think we're going to dwell on this too much. I mean, I think there's reason to be upset and there's reason to be excited. Brandon, you talked about uh, hopefully there's a plan in place to upgrade. There better be. If you're making a move like this, you better have a plan in place to find a way to improve the position overall. You don't just do this to save $2 million this offseason. You do this because you have a a vision in place that will be better than a unit that was last year, uh, which I already thought was with the addition of Davis. Um, but I'm curious too if you guys have any Jordan Howard thoughts, I just have countless ones of him running through wide open holes untouched and getting about 40 yards down the field and running out of gas. That's really Got all I hot.
0: Have. Yep. <laughs> Got hot. Um, yeah. I mean, probably the most uh, memorable run for me was uh, Halloween night, 2016 bears were what one and six coming into that game. Uh, Jay Culler came back from injury for that start, I want to say. Very first possession, like there's one run that looks like he could have broke for like 50 yards, and then the next run he does break for 50 yards. Just kind of a classic Chicago ground and pound type of game, kind of threw the Vikings off uh, their, uh, their schedule for being the best team in the NFC North that season gave Bears fans a lot of false hope that they had a chance of doing anything at two and six. They're like, look at the schedule. It's really weak. And then they had their bye week and then they went to Tampa Bay and just got pants. But, uh, I don't know. Jordan Howard kind of sparked that, that game. And he sparked a a couple decent games that made that season bearable,
1: uh, in a lot of ways. I like the use of the word bearable there. I thought that was very (laughs) well-timed. Brandon, anything you have?
3: Yeah. He owned the AFC North, which was just totally awesome. (laughs) He I did. love that. I love that so much. King of the North, and it wasn't even his own division. But, yeah, that, that's really the, the – those four games were really the biggest memories. I have especially the Ravens one. And was all was uh, it
1: – no, no, last year was the all-four AFC East in a row, so we didn't do all-AFC North right. row two years it was a ago.
3: A couple years ago. So, yeah, the Ravens yeah. one was the biggest one of that one that really stands out to me. But it's the Steelers for me.
0: Steelers. Yeah, more
3: That one's really cool. He went
0: out like three times with the AC joint injury.
3: That's right. Yep.
0: And it was just like, just keep powered out, keep powered <laughs> out. And then they put him back in. It was like, no, man, He's still drunk of kids. <laughs> I mean, I about-
3: More than 100 yards.
0: I remember screaming that game, just like I couldn't believe we won that Steelers game because that was like the that was our only win with Mike Lennon, and he did everything he could to lose that game. That was absolutely <laughs> absurd. Like his average pass traveled like four yards. He completed one pass to a wide receiver that game for nine yards. Like all of his passing yards were from his running backs. Oh man. And then as Howard's running in that last uh running in that final overtime carry. I think it's Marcus Wheaton gets away with an atrocious hold on the outside, and I am laughing my tail off, just like we won this game
1: and we tried so hard to lose. I did. No, that's 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 a good one, and that was a even terrible year. Even the Marcus year. Cooper, even the Marcus Cooper play, even the Marcus Cooper play, absolutely. Jeez, same game, two totally different memories. <laughs> uh, but no, that Jordan Howard versus the AFC North two years ago. Yeah, that has to be cream of the crop. It really is. I mean, he was he was putting up a consecutive 200-yard games against those teams. And granted, I think, what, one or two of those went to overtime. But still, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was a monster for that stretch. So uh, for that, Jordan, we thank you. And I want to get back on track here. And I think we crowned uh, for the linebacker, the Bears. Was that official? I, I'm a little fuzzy yes. now. I think we swept. Yep, we swept it for the Bears. We swept all right cool so we brought the brooms we swept which means we need to get to cornerback this is oh i can't believe the bears traded jordan howard but getting back <laughs> um to defense and getting back to the entire nfc north here uh, let's take a look at the cornerback bracket and we have lions versus vikings and then bears versus packers so detroit minnesota let's go to brandon first at cornerbacks uh who do you like more than the other
3: I'm not going to say who I like more than the other, but I know who I don't like more than the other, and that's Detroit because they brought in Marcus Cooper and they have Tease Tabor on the team. So as Will and I were talking before we went live on this one, that secondary is just a bunch of Swiss cheese out there because T's Tabor isn't exactly the best cornerback out there. We know what Marcus Cooper can't do. Uh, so, the, I mean, in, in Minnesota, in all fairness, too, to give them some points as well. Uh, I mean, Xavier Rhodes is a really good corner uh i can't come up with his name right now mackenzie alexander he's a, a very good player as well uh who is the trey waynes the guy out of michigan state he was a guy who uh when he first came into the league could not play defense unless he was holding the guy uh he has gotten better as a downfield cover guy as well so overall uh projecting forward uh this one has to go to the minnesota vikings uh and that detroit lions secondary with the signing of marcus cooper uh is pretty atrocious.
1: Can I get your thoughts though on the other signing that they had for their corners with uh, Seattle's well former Seattle corner Justin Coleman?
3: It still doesn't sway me any.
1: What about Darius Slay? It still doesn't slay sway you any.
3: Me any. I, I, I still like Xavier Rhodes and Trey Wayne's over Darius Slay and guy from Seattle. I don't know why I couldn't just come up with his name, but Coleman. I Coleman, yes. Uh, Slay is very good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to just bash on the Detroit Lions, but the fact that they signed Marcus Cooper, I just couldn't couldn't get over that when I seen that on Sport Track. Uh, but Darius Slay, very good guy, deserves the credit as well. But I think the overall uh, trajectory of the Vikings secondary, uh, at least as far as the corners go, uh, exceed what the Lions have.
1: All right. We have one for Minnesota. Will, how about you? Are you going to make it two? Yeah. <sighs> I think
0: I am, but this is a it lot was closer, closer
1: than I. Th- yeah, it this wasn't is it a
0: close? lot closer than I have for uh, than I have. See, for I me. didn't
3: think it was all that close
0: because Coleman for me, I, the problem with Detroit for so many years is that you have Darius Slay and then you have everyone else, and bringing in a guy like Coleman at least gives you a second guy. Uh, you have two guys that will be covered on defense from the cornerback standpoint. Now, whether or not you're going to get a guy like Cooper or Tabor to kind of at least help out in that slot position is going to be the big question moving forward. And the other thing is that Xavier Rhodes, very down year in Minnesota last year. He looked like a shell of his former self. So it's hard hard for me to grade Rhodes like I did in years prior because I didn't think Rhodes looked like half the player he used to be. Trey Waynes, I think, like Brandon said, has improved a whole lot. I remember I think he picked off Aaron Rodgers like his rookie season. I was laughing so hard because he had done so bad for the rest of the game. Uh, But he has developed into a better player to this point. And like you said, Alexander's solid too. And I think overall, I think depth wins out for the Vikings. But the Lions have – Come a long way in the secondary, if you ask me. They aren't going to be as much of a laughing stock as they used to be. It's not going to look like that game in uh Soldier Field where Trubisky's just throwing air raid offense against them and not having any resistance whatsoever.
1: Yeah, I mean I'm going Minnesota as well, but it's very it's closer than I thought it would be when I initially went through this because and I just want to give a little bit of Lions perspective here. When you look at Justin Coleman, I looked at they're saying that they project him to be their nickel corner. And when he played in the slot last year in Seattle, um, he allowed a catch on every 10.7 snaps played. Uh, that was the sixth best mark in the NFL of all nickel corners. And then, of course, you know, Darius Slay, he did have a down year last year. Um, but He still had a decent season overall. I mean, when he sets the bar as high as he did just a couple of seasons ago, it's kind of hard to live up to that year in, year out. Um, but outside of Slay, outside of Coleman, Uh, In outside corners, that's where things get kind of murky. I see right now that their projected starter is Rashawn Melvin. Um, He's a former undrafted free agent turned career journeyman. Uh, So obviously, the Lions are high on him. Um, But still, uh, he has to prove it to me before I can give them the edge. And it's kind of like Minnesota. And it's kind of like what we did with the edge rushers here. You know, We know what they can get. We know what their ceiling is. We know what their floor is. And they're probably going to fall somewhere in the middle. And Detroit usually does Detroit things. Even if they do bring in big guys, big players, they don't usually pan out. There's just something in water up there in Detroit. Uh, So for me, I'm going to give Minnesota the edge here, even though I'm going to give the Vikings credit. I think they are closing the gap. Like Will said, there are other guys outside of Darius Slay. Now that might be only one guy, but at least it's better than nobody. All right, moving on to the next round here, Bears versus Packers. Looking at the cornerback position, Will, you're up first.
0: Uh, This one's actually a little tough for me, too. Uh, I I, I think Jackson's going to get a lot better this year. I think he had a rough rookie season. Jair Alexander, I think, is the real deal. I think he's going to be a very solid player for years to come. I think the Packers really hit on him in the draft. I think Fuller and Amukamara are going to be able to hold down the fort enough uh, to win this one. But when we're starting to talk about depth, um, I like what King can do for Green Bay more than I like what a lot of the Bears backups can do at mm-hmm. this point in time for me. Um, so I think depth goes to the pack, but I think your starting force uh, and Fuller and Amukamara, for the most part, are going to be good enough to hold this down. Um, Buster screen is such a question mark for me at this point. I think he's an aggressive corner. I think we're going to see whether or not he it was just an aggressive corner who didn't have any help or th- whether he's just an aggressive corner who does not know how to play aggressive football. Um, we're going to find that out pretty quick. Um, but for right now, I'm going to still give this one to the bears. You still have Sheriff McManus is solid depth at the, um, at the slot corner spot. Um, and then you also have some big question marks and she's uh, a uh, Tolliver. Um, he showed some flashes, but still nothing you can bank on at this point. And then they have uh, the guy out of Dubuque, uh, your D3 guy. He kept, they kept him on the practice squad, and I can't remember his name. And my buddy, he goes to Dubuque. Is, yep, Joseph. Yes. Um, um I, I think he might be something, but like I said, those that, that's nothing you can bank on. You can bank on a guy like King uh, for, the, for the Packers to kind of go in and play any spot. So I still give it to the Bears, but depth is concerning for this one.
1: I say you give this a year or two, this is going to be a great debate between these two units, especially as you give it two more years. Uh, more than likely, Amukamara is out the window. The Bears need to find a contingency plan in order to make up for that. But right now, I am going to give the edge to the Bears as well. Even though I am, again, uh, for Green Bay, I'm going to give them a lot of credit because uh, Alexander, Jackson, and King, they're a very strong uh young, inexperienced trio there. I mean, uh, they have a lot of potential. They just have to see if they can fold out. You talked about Alexander had a great rookie season. Uh, Most of his games did come in the first half, Then when teams got some tape on him, uh, they are able to pick him apart just a little bit more, so he has to kind of rebound from that. Uh, The one thing that really stood out for Alexander, though, is his discipline. He only had two penalties against him all year long, and for a rookie going up against NFL wide receivers, uh, that's no easy feat whatsoever. Uh, Josh Jackson, he still has a little bit to clean up in his game, as well, um, but his impact was felt with his 11 pass breakups on the year, um, so for him to already have that under his belt, um, that's a scary sign to say the least as he gains more confidence as a corner on um, both the Bears even though Bryce Callahan isn't here uh, I think they have the slight edge um, you talked about screen, I gosh you better hope that he was a corner that didn't have help and liked to be aggressive, last year he allowed a 124 passer rating 0 interceptions, only 4 PBUs and he allowed 5 touchdowns which is the most of all nickel corners in the league last year yeah you better hope that with a stronger surrounding cast that he's going to be able to really turn his game around the bears are high on him it's just a question of do we buy what the bears are selling i trust ryan pace um but this one does i'm not a hundred percent confident that screen's going to be and if i said the other scrine i apologize i'm still getting used to that one it reads the scrine but it pronounced the screen uh by the way blue is blue it's french i saw that from Matt nagy <laughs> as well that's that's just a quick aside but for me um, even if screen is 70% of what Bryce Callahan was for this defense, the bears do still have the slight edge. So for me, I'm going to go Chicago, Brandon. I know it doesn't matter and you can save your argument for the bears. If you went that way for the championship round. Um, but I'm curious, which way did your vote go?
3: It went to Chicago. Uh, there's uh, enough talent, enough experience in those bears corners right now uh, to give it the edge. Cause green Bay's, Uh, corners are still young. I think if you give it a year, this is going to be a much, much tougher battle to pick in a bracket. Uh, But for right now, I'm giving it uh, to the Bears, short and simple.
1: Short and simple. Perfect. Leading into the championship round, another Chicago Bears and Minnesota Vikings (laughs) brawl here. Let's go to Brandon first because we went to him last for the first round. Uh, Bears or Vikings, who has the best cornerback unit?
3: Well, first of all, I see a trend here that the, the Bears and Vikings seem to be the toughest ones to pick out of, which is what happens with the two best defenses, very top-notch defense, so top uh, cap off to both those uh, teams for doing such a good job. But uh, I think I ultimately have to give this one to the Bears because between Kyle Fuller, Prince and Mukamara, Sherrick McManus being a pretty solid, uh, doesn't give up a whole lot as far as quality goes. He's not a guy that you want to fill in full-time. Uh, As far as a backup goes, uh, he's been experienced in this defense before. Buster screens, we talked about an aggressive corner. I think that the safeties will help cover up some of his aggressiveness and or poor play uh, playing ability, I guess, is the way to put it. Uh, Since you guys already touched on that a little bit, I think that helps. And then also with the depth pieces that we have back there behind them. I think that that uh, screams a little bit more solidarity over what Minnesota has with uh, Trey Wayne's Xavier Rhodes. Uh, I think that the bears just have more to work with in this position. So I give it to
1: the bears. All right. We have one vote for Chicago. Will, where are you going to go?
0: I feel I'm going to be our first dissenting opinion. I think here, I'm going to go with the Vikings on this one. I like, I think Xavier Rhodes will be much better this season. I think this past season was a total anomaly in the span of his career. I think Trey Raines will be a solid player as well. I think, their ability to be more aggressive overall. I think Kyle Fuller is an aggressive player. I think he can make splash plays. I think.
1: Oh no, did we lose you? Will? I think we lost. Will. I think we lost. Will. Looks like he's back. Now he's back. Am See back? What happens when you go against the Chicago bears? Uh, you lose. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm getting, I'm getting covered by somebody, probably Kyle Fuller, or Eddie Jackson or something. Um, I guess so. Um, so, what was the last thing you
1: guys heard me say? Uh, honestly, I tuned out after you said you're going to go with the Vikings. No kidding wow. aside, <laughs> uh, kidding aside, <laughs> you did mention Kyle Fuller being a you know a, a splash player in his own right, and then that he kind of fizzled out from there.
0: Right. Okay. So, Kyle Fuller, I think, can make those splash plays, but I think Prince of Mukamara is kind of a guy that just prevents the big plays. I think he's a pretty poor uh, open field tackler as well. When people do get receptions on him, that opening day game uh, or that opening uh, weekend in green Bay, I think is a very clear case of that. Uh, Devonte Adams made him look pretty silly on the way to the end zone for their second touchdown in that comeback. And there's a lot of other cases where Prince of Bukumar has given up five or more yards uh, after the catch. Uh, I think between the youth, between uh, Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes as far as that starting lineup is concerned and I think their overall ability to be more aggressive I like those two pairing together and I li- also like the overall depth between their top three guys more than I like the Bears depth for their top three guys you want to say McManus did a good job filling in yes but when push came to shove he got beat by Golden Tate on fourth and two
1: so you have to fourth bring and goal. up? I don't want to think about that.
0: <laughs> well, if I'm trying to make a point, I mean, clearly the forces that be are not happy, so I'm going to have to bring my A game with my argument here why I'm going with the Vikings at the end of the day. So I like their three guys across the board more than I do for the Bears, and I like their depth a little bit more as well.
1: All right, so it looks like I have to play, uh, play a little bit of tiebreaker here, which is actually very tough because, honestly, here in my notes I have – would be toss up if Bears Vikings in the final round, and that's ended up being the case here. I mean, when you look at Fuller last year, only allowing a 66 passer rating, going his way with the seven touch, uh, seven touchdowns, seven, I wish seven touchdowns, uh, seven interceptions, 12 PBU's. That's really hard to beat, especially when no one else on the, the starting three for the Vikings last year had more than one interception, and Alexander himself didn't have any. Um, but then you bring up a great point with screen
2: compared to finally.
1: And Alexander for the nickel. I mean, there's such a huge uh, glaring, you know, discrepancy between the two in terms of at least what they did last season. Obviously, things can change when you look at 2019, but obviously, Alexander has a huge advantage over there. And even like, you know, a Trey Waynes or an Xavier Rhodes, each of them would have the edge over someone like Prince and Mukamara. So really, the question comes down to is how much weight uh, do you put on Kyle Fuller here and how much weight do you want to put on the nickelback position with screen? And the answer is, I really don't know. I'm going to actually give this one to Minnesota because screen is very unproven. I don't know what to expect from him whatsoever. If we were doing just top two corners and I would give it to the Chicago bears because of what Kyle Fuller is able to do. Uh, we'll already mentioned, you know, what we know about Prince Mukamara already. He's a little bit, uh, you know, he's a, Decent corner, not overly great, not going to have all the impact plays that you want. May miss a few tackles from time to time. When he gets picked on in a game, if an offense wants to go after him, bad things usually happen for the defense. Um, but overall as a unit, Minnesota has, and this is by a nose, and this, again, this can be a toss-up either way. If screen pans out as projected, and like I said for uh, the Bears versus the Packers, if he can be 70% of what Bryce Callahan was, I'd probably get this one to the Bears. But right now, I'm not... going to buy it. I don't know what he's going to be. Uh, So with that uncertainty, I'm going to go ahead and give this one uh, to the Vikings, which gives two for the Vikings, two for the Bears, as we enter our fifth and final position here of safety. And uh, let's go ahead and take a glance over at our bracket so we know exactly what matchups are going to be here. And the first one's going to be Packers versus Bears, Vikings versus Lions, Oh, no. I think I know exactly how this thing's going to pan out to end the show, which, honestly, is actually very exciting. But we have to uh, make things official here first. So, Brandon, over to you. Looking at safety, Packers versus Bears. Ha-ha, Clinton Dix, Adrian Amos. The debate begins now. Go ahead. Well, it,
3: it's more than that. Eddie Jackson really sways this yes. one. So, uh, spoiler alert, we give it to the Bears. But really, uh, in the grand scheme of things, uh, money-wise, player-wise, I think the Bears got the right amount of value for the guy that they got with HaHa Clinton-Dix, who's a somewhat inconsistent player, but yet still a, a good playmaker. Will he go get the interceptions, really good at covering the outside routes. Uh, and the the Packers overpaid for Adrian Amos, who's a guy that I've really, really liked at his time here in Chicago. Uh, but he's not that that playmaker uh, that that Ha Clinton-Dix is. So I think that the Bears ultimately came out winners in that deal. Uh, so I, I'm giving it to the Bears. Ultimately, it comes down to – uh, the players, obviously, in the way that they can play, not just the, the cap space that I keep talking about here. But uh, Eddie Jackson's just a much better playmaker uh, than any of the guys uh, that the Packers have at safety right now.
1: Any of the guys. I like think you're almost not wanting to say the name. Are you a little salty, B? bit
3: <laughs> Just a little bit, if I'm going to be honest, a little bit.
1: I understand. I mean, when he goes right to your own backyard and you can still see him across the fence, Right, I understand that feeling. It's like you're. It's like I forget what meme. It's like SpongeBob, uh, a uh, Squidward looking out the window, and you see Patrick and uh, SpongeBob <laughs> out there running around having a good time, and just like glancing. Obviously, I think we're okay with our contingency plan of Ha Ha Clinton Dix, but we'll get to that in a moment. Will I want to go over to you? Are you going to go Green Bay or are you going to go Bears?
0: I'm going to save my uh, argument uh, for later. Bears.
1: All right. I, I'm actually in the same boat. I want to uh, it doesn't matter. Bears won. I don't have to say anything. Actually, I can just move this conversation Ooh. along. Uh, I had some good stats here that I want to share for it, but uh, Vikings and Lions, I don't know how long we want to make this one either, but let's go to Will first. Maybe you can give us a little bit more insight. Oh,
0: great. You took away my one word answer of Vikes. Um, <laughs> Quandre Diggs and Tavon Wilson. Um, Wilson's a bit of a gambler back there. Um, he's one of those gamblers that isn't exactly great at gambling. He's kind of a Chris Conte type to me in that respect. There are going to be a couple of games where you see like, holy cow, what a great play, what a great read. And then you're going to watch the rest of the game and you'll be like, oh, that was a one-hit wonder. Um, tip of the, honestly, my overall portrayal of Tavon Wilson, um, I think he gets to a few plays late as well. Quandre Diggs, obviously, I think he has some availability issues, and I just don't overall think he's a phenomenal safety um, Whereas you go, obviously, Harrison Smith and then uh, Harris for the Vikings. Uh, I think those guys are pretty much cream of the crop up there, especially um, Harrison Smith. He's been phenomenal for a really long time, and that's for very good reason. He plays very well all across the field. Uh, he can even play at linebacker at the times. He's a very aggressive forward-playing guy, especially especially when he gets going forward. It's just incredible because so often you see safeties, and I criticize how Clinton Dix at this. When you have guys coming forward at you that are bigger than you, it's sometimes just kind of sell out just to make a tackle it doesn't matter how it looks harrison smith someone who wants to hit you when he comes at it and that's not something you always see at out of a safety and sometimes when you see safeties take that approach they just kind of swing and miss harrison smith's on point a lot of the time with that so this one's kind of a, a landslide for me i'm going to give this one to the vikings
1: all right vikings in a quote landslide for mr ingles brandon is it as one-sided as will has
3: Uh, I'm going to take Will's coveted one-word answer and say Vikes.
1: (laughs) Uh, I guess I can't fault you there. (laughs) And it doesn't matter for me. So I think we jump right into the championship round here because I think this one's a very good matchup, just like each and every one that we've had uh, for the Bears and the Vikings so far. So championship round, not just for the safety position, but for the edge and the overall best defense in the NFC North as it stands today in the very end of March, before the draft. So why are we doing this? Because it's March Madness. That's why. But let's go to Will first. I'm very curious. Bears, Vikings, you saved an argument, so let's go.
0: Okay, so for the Bears, I'm going to give this one to the Bears, and that's because they have uh, Dion Bush in their back pocket. I think this gives them a lot of versatility to do a lot of different things. If they want to play in a dime, they're going to have that extra guy who can play in the box, If they w- and, and it allows them just to tool their defense to the situation. If you're dealing with more of like a third and five, you're going to have a guy that can come down and play that run a whole lot better. He's comfortable coming down and playing the run. If you got more like a third and 10 or longer third and seven plus, you're going to have a guy like Clinton Dix. You can come in and play the pass. And then obviously you have that guy, that vulture, that Hawk known as Eddie Jackson in the back. He is an absolute nightmare. Absolute nightmare when we're talking about dropping back as a quarterback because he is very good at reading and recognizing routes. He's absolutely phenomenal. Obviously, we saw so many pick sixes out of him. I think there was a statistic that came out um, after the Vikings game at Soldier Field. There were like uh, something like 15 wide receivers taken before Eddie Jackson in, uh, in the same draft, uh, I believe, 2017. And at that point, Eddie Jackson had more touchdowns than seven of them. That just shows you what Eddie Jackson can do. Game-changing plays, and not only that, but he denies a ton of throws as well. I just think all the utility, the versatility, and just the big plays that Chicago's defensive secondary can make is just going to outweigh what is a phenomenal secondary in Minnesota. I just like so much what they can do from a versatility-type standpoint that i got to give this one to Chicago.
1: All right, one vote for the Bears. I'm going to hold off on giving my official vote. I wanted to share some arguments for both sides of the table here because I want to kind of draw this out, because this is really, really close. It really depends on how you want to look at it. Uh, first and foremost, I just want to go on record and say that Eddie Jackson is arguably the best coverage safety in the NFL today, period. Book it. He has range, instincts, ball skills, killer mentality. Every time that he makes a play, changes the game. Uh, can he improve his tackling? Yeah, but, I mean, other than that, the dude's a stud. And then, ha-ha, Clinton Dix. We talked about you know his pros and cons just a couple of weeks ago. Um, but I believe, number one, he's going to be on the best defense of his entire life here in Chicago. Number two, he's playing with his best friend and, of course, former college teammate at Alabama, Eddie Jackson. I think you're going to see the best ha-ha Clinton Dixon he's ever had um, in, the, uh, you know, in his career, honestly. And a fun fact for Clinton Dix, uh, the highest passer rating that he has allowed in an entire season when targeted, 76.2. And that was last year when he played for two bad teams had to learn a defense on the fly in Washington. And that was his worst year. Every year but other than that, it's been less than 76.2 when targeted. That's pretty good. On top of that, he's never had less than three interceptions in a single season. So if you're looking at him and Jackson as a 1-2 duo uh, for the safeties, and I, again, we haven't talked about depth with uh, Dion Bush. That's a very great duo between those two. And then for Minnesota, uh, again, uh, even though that he lost, uh, they lost, what, Anderson Deho, uh Harrison Smith. He, we don't, I don't have to say anything about Harrison Smith. Just saying the name gives you everything that you need to know about the guy. Uh, we see him single-handedly what he can do to games, game plans, et cetera. Um, but even uh, the guy who they anticipate starting here too, Anthony Harris, he had 11 games last season, and he's a very strong player. He's stellar in coverage. He's sound in run support. He's a very consistent tackler. He only missed two tackles in 11 games last year. And even though he didn't see many passes thrown his way, which is a testament to um, his coverage ability, uh, when he was thrown at, he uh, he held his own. He only allowed last year in 11 games, 7 catches, 54 yards. That's it. That's a 29 passer rating when targeted. That's incredible. That's scary. But I'm not going to give my vote yet. Brandon, I want you to go ahead. And if I need to be tiebreaker, I will. But I don't think I need to. Who are you going to go, Vikings or Bears?
3: Bears, Deion Bush really pushes this over the edge for me as far as depth goes. Harrison Smith, like you said, very good safety. Uh, and Anthony Harris, again, a very good up-and-coming safety as well. Uh, but I like the combination of Eddie Jackson, HaHa, Clint Dix, especially with the way this defense is shaping up. They're going to need those playmakers over the middle to hover over the middle of the field, be able to get those interceptions with a more aggressive front seven. Uh, and then Dion Bush, if you want to throw him in there, Uh, He's going to be that in-the-box safety that can hit really hard. He also has some pretty decent coverage skills, and he's been a a player the last couple years that's really been on the rise. So uh, Deion Bush really pushes this one over the edge for me to give it to the Bears.
1: Man, words I never thought would be said in this show. At one point in his career, I never thought, but I agree. Uh, The depth does take it over the edge. For the record, uh, if I did have to go one way or the other, I was leaning towards the Bears, uh, but I just wanted to kind of let Brandon have some uh, sway there. That way we all can kind of get our points on, record but that makes it official uh the bears won 3 to 2 over the Minnesota Vikings for the best defense uh in the NFC North but guys and uh B I want to go to you first uh, after going through this exercise uh, do you agree that uh other teams like the uh the Packers <clears throat> and the Lions are making some moves uh to become better in their own right and kind of catch up a little bit
3: oh absolutely as much as I, I overlooked the Lions in this one uh you know kind of poking front of their secondary and really overlooking Trey Flowers at the beginning of the show uh that that defense, especially with Matt Patricia. Now he's got uh Trey Flowers a guy that he's familiar with in there. Uh they're gonna improve some, definitely. And uh Green Bay's got a lot of young stock. So uh they're gonna be a team that's you know, they're gonna be able to fizzle these guys out that aren't working real quick and they'll be able to have guys that are working and they're just as fast. So I I like what Green Bay's doing. Unfortunately, uh it's smart, really play out these young guys, see what's gonna go on here, and Detroit is also on the rise as well. So it's gonna be a very tough uh defensive uh, division.
1: Well, that's why they call it the Black and Blue Division. Will over to you. Yep. Any final thoughts about uh, the all the defenses? Of course, the Bears won, but it, again, the Bears—they uh, were the team a couple years ago that you were on kind of on the cusp of taking, you know, the storm. Or a lot of people didn't know if the Bears were going to be better than the Vikings this year. And of course, that kind of ended up being true for at least our side in Chicago. Um, but obviously, going through this exercise, something that remains uh, very clear is that these defenses are very close in terms of their overall talent and even though the Bears should still be a great defense, Minnesota still has the talent to kind of catch up and compete for that spot this year. Right. I think there's something to be
0: said about playing inspired football at the end of the day. Uh, it's really easy to kind of bag on the Packers and the Lions because at the, especially the last three or four games for their seasons didn't really mean a whole lot. And, and that's, it's tough to play like inspired defense when you know that your season's over. Uh, and, and you kind of got guys that are getting shut down. I mean, once you shut down Aaron Rodgers, obviously you know the course that the season is going to take. Uh, obviously for the Lions being out of it pretty much early as far as the divisional and playoff standpoint is concerned. And even for the Vikings, I mean, it's hard to play as a defense and know that your offense is really not kind of picking up the slack. A new season changes all of that. You know, you get one team that jumps out to a 5-1 start, and all of a sudden that defense is playing a lot different football uh, than you expected them to play based on how they finished the season before. So I think that's important to acknowledge as well. Uh, And you guys, you both mentioned that talent level, is actually a lot closer than I think a lot of us realized early on, at least on paper in March. I mean, does that mean a whole bunch? Not always, but it's definitely worth noting that they've uh, the teams in the uh, NFC North have made some solid moves to at least on paper be more competitive uh, defensively as this standpoint is concerned. It's going to be really fun to watch it play out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, that's going to do it for this week's episode. We'll be back next week with another show for you all. I want to thank you for tuning in and supporting our show. Again, Jordan Howard is no longer a Chicago Bear. I'm still trying to get through the shock phase of this. Uh, not that I'm shocked that he is traded, um, but it took some time. It took year, uh, what a little over a year uh, since we first started hearing rumblings of it uh, to actually happen. And for it to happen during this live recording of the show... Uh, You know, it puts us on the spot. Uh, You heard our true reaction, and uh, we'll kind of stew on it. And when we have some other thoughts on it, we'll definitely pop on here uh, to share those as well. But from three Bears fans to another, uh, we really do appreciate each and every one of you. But until next time, Bear Down Chicago. (laughs)